Sport. It's your passion. It's your obsession. You want informed opinion and 150 years of wisdom? Know it all with the Sporting Life Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Sporting Life Sports Personality of the Year 2019 preview podcast. I'm Dom and joining me on the sofa are Chris Hammer and Ben Curley. Hello, chaps. Hi, Dom. This is genuinely one of the highlights of the year for me in, in terms of sporting life output, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah I think down. it's the last time I hosted a podcast was the Sports Personality of the Year 2018 preview. Duly noted. <laughs> and, that, and that was the best one we've ever done. Yeah, the best one we've so ever done. So said Richard Mann, which high praise. He doesn't say much positive Although, about other people's work. Although, I have to work, say, last year we spent three quarters of it saying why Ronnie O'Sullivan should win it and he wasn't even on the shortlist because remember last year we, we did spend a lot of time he'd just become a record breaker in the UK uh, championship yeah, and he, he, this year not so much but yeah I remember yeah. spending a lot of time editing a video about Ronnie O'Sullivan only to find out he wasn't even nominated yeah. well there we go no no mention of snooker from this point onwards yeah. done. Sure. I also was very passionate about Tyson Fury last year but he came close. Um, right, Sports Personality of the Year is a bit of a mouthful, so henceforth, on this podcast, it shall be known as Spotty. I think that that's generally accepted. Everybody knows what we're talking about. So, coming up, we're going to talk through the six Spotty contenders, plus Team and Overseas Sports Personality of the Year. We'll also be dishing out three Sporting Life Awards, Unsung Hero, Villain, and Moment of the Year. And we'll be making our predictions for Sunday night's main award with our own podium countdowns. Visit sportinglife.com and log in for free to become an insider. There you can unlock loads of exclusive features, including unlimited video replays, tips and previews, live score update notifications, betting offers and more. Right, gents, we're going to work from the bottom of the market to the top here, but the point is to reflect on the sporting year as a whole and not worry too much about the odds. So not too much on the odds, boys. Let's just... Reflect on what a wonderful year of sport we've had. So, first up, one of Chris's favourites, Katrina Johnson-Thompson, who finally won a gold medal in the heptathlon at the World Athletic Championship. Chris, why was this an especially significant achievement for her? Well, it's the first time she had fulfilled her potential that people have talked about for years, since London 2012, when she was very young at that point. And so much has been expected of her and she has, had never managed to top the podium and she did so in style with a British record breaking Jess Ennis Hill's record uh, with four PBs it was a sensational two days and to break that record was just phenomenal the icing on the cake and the way she did it she obliterated that 800 metres she wasn't just happy with that gold medal she wanted to do it with the record before I move on to ask um Ben Coley, his opinion on Katrina Johnson-Thompson. Chris, why do you think, even though amazing things are achieved in athletics, like uh, the breaking of Jessica Anissi's record, for instance, why do you think it slips under the radar a little bit? I think it only slips under the radar outside of the Olympic and World Championship years, or when those events aren't actually taking place. But it's strange, because when, it, when the athletics is taking place at the olympics it's like everybody watches it everyone seems to be they love people jumping over hurdles throwing javelins jumping into sand pits yeah, as soon as it's over well it's like only being interested in football when the world cup comes around yeah there's no there's never really any legacy unfortunately um, and this is me being a big athletics fan by the way who can admit that um but but i think katrina johnson thompson and dina asher smith managed to get everybody talking about athletics this summer which was great or not this summer it was september wasn't it okay bc yeah. before we move on to the next nominee katrina johnson thompson a worthy name for the list yeah you know what she'd be a worthy winner um i don't think she's got much of a chance but but i think she would be a worthy winner athletics is one of the few sports um if we can you know broaden it you know there are obviously many disciplines as demonstrated best i suppose by the heptathlon but it's it's about numbers and it's about the, the limits of your own potential like if, if Usain Bolt runs his best race in the 100 metres he could not lose the race right so you have to set your goals accordingly the, the guy who's the third or fourth best in the world can realistically only aim to be finishing second to Bolt um, and I think that pressure has weighed heavy on Johnson Thompson because in theory she has been more than capable of winning gold at least for four or five years perhaps not in 2012 as Chris alluded to when she was still very much in Ennis Hill's shadow um, 
but as Chris said, four personal bests, that just tells you, if you, you know, you, you can judge, she could have finished second and it would have been a remarkable achievement because of those figures she produced. Personal best in the 100 meter hurdles, personal best in the shot put, a real weak event for her, personal best in the javelin, personal best in the 800 meters when gold was on the line. Uh, she didn't get a PB or a season's best or anything in the long jump, but she was about 30 centimeters clear of the next best. She was in a league of her own, one of the best performances by a European athlete in the history of the event. Um, and she did it with such grace and and talking about how she's changed her career she's moved to france to to try and eke out that extra tenth of a second that extra five inches on the high jump and stuff and and it's really paid off a, a real dedication um and in athletics i'll end now but in athletics <laughs> all that dedication can come to nothing um she finished fifth in the world championships in london she finished 14th at london 2012 six in rio fifth in another world championship it can you can spend four years planning you hit the top of a hurdle and it's gone um so massive respect for spending four years planning for this moment and then taking the opportunity when it came well, you've opened my eyes to what a fantastic athlete she is. And she's the outsider of the six. Which Tells is the you it's a good list, Dom. It's a good list it's, this it's, year. It's a, it's a great list this year. Next up then is, I don't know, I mean, this guy, Alan Wynne-Jones, um, is an unbelievable servant to Welsh rugby, uh, to the Welsh national team. But, Ben, you've got to be surprised to see him nominated. Yeah, I'd maybe not surprised, but, but a little... I, I wouldn't want to upset a nation and, a, and, and our boss, a big rugby union fan, but he doesn't feel worthy alongside the other names. Um, Wales won the Six Nations Grand Slam, which is uh, no small achievement, um, particularly with Ireland. Uh, I think Ireland might have been ranked number one in Test Rugby at the time. Certainly they were beating everybody. England, you know, on their way to a World Cup final later in the year. It was a huge achievement and he was the player of the tournament. I think Jonathan Davies, the BBC commentator, said at the time he is the best player in Welsh rugby history. I'm happy to bow to that knowledge, but but it feels a little lifetime achievement. And it, Chris, it's not the first time a Welshman has been nominated for sports personality, not yeah. on what he's just done, on what he's done yeah. for the best part of the The thing years. is, there are awards for lifetime, lifetime achieve, achievements, aren't there? I don't understand why this one, this award, this should just be for what happens in this Absolutely. year. Nothing only than that. And um, there's other awards where you can get lifetime achievements. It just seems, when you've only got a, a few spots for this kind of award, don't give it for a, a lifetime lifetime achievement sort of he's not even retired I thought he was going to retire after yeah. the World Cup I think a lot of people thought that but I think he still wants to get on that Lions yeah. tour at the back end of next year so there's a little way to go so we could have waited yeah. as well you I mean know. he was I mean he, um, he was the player of the tournament in this Six Nations so there is that element he has done something this year sure it's not like he's just been a team player he's been a leader and but I think if they'd won the World Cup fair enough but I think semi-finals in the World Cup well maybe, maybe the thinking was maybe if he does stay on another year or so he might not perform like he has at the World Cup you know there's reason here to put him on the shortlist because he was yeah I, I would think that's probably the peak of his career this year I mean I, you know winning the Grand Slam as captain being the player of the tournament and taking Wales to the semi-finals with the best will in the world that was probably about on expectation it would have been uh, a mighty achievement to go all the way to the final so yeah I don't think he's going to go and win a World Cup because that's four years away now and uh, so unless he unless he were to captain the Lions and I, I don't know the situation there but if he captained the Lions and they went and won okay but it's just a, it's an award for what he's done over a longer time than the last 12 months I have to say though the sporting calendar can be a bit unfair say on rugby the Six Nations will never be in November or something so say he'd helped and he'd done the play of the tournament run and it would say it had been in November it would have felt like oh you can win this do you know what I mean a bit yeah like a more immediate a bit like when Ronnie O'Sullivan last year won the UK we were waxing lyrical about it the recency a, bias but, but if it had happened in January we might not have been uh, and that always paid um, cost uh, Lizzie Arnold didn't it in the, it winter, did, the winter Olympics because it's yeah. everyone and, and the fact that she did a sport which about three people have yeah, watched yeah but at the time <laughs> when she wins the gold she gets cut to like eight to one and then by the time the end of the year comes she's got no chance yeah. I, th I think the, the, the bottom line for me is that we each could easily uh, don't ask us to but we could easily name five people we think are more worthy sure well had England won that World Cup final surely we'd be talking about Owen Farrell here uh, it's fair to call that the biggest disappointment of 2019 especially if you're an England rugby fan of course I'd have probably still thrown him in anyway because of the, the wink during the hacker. <laughs> you can't of. get nominated no, on I a wink. No, I think you can. I think you can. It was, it was, I must admit, highlights. it was a moment where I thought I'm, I'm an inferior. I'm, I may be part of the male species, but I am vastly inferior to that man, yeah, um, which is obvious, but it, yeah. it sort of really, it really it came was, home at that point. It just summed up that 
you know, I mean, say what you like about the hacker, but you have to stand there and, okay, we'll be intimidated. And that's one of the few times you, you just think, they're, just, they're laughing at it. And that set the tone for the win. They were never going to lose after they did, they did that to the hacker, were they? Well, I like the point you make. You know, and I, I thought when you're a captain, doing moments like that, that's as good as a hat trick of tries. It's as good as a, I don't know, you, you're... Sort of leading from the front. It's the purpose of captaincy, isn't yeah. it? It's not it's necessarily kind of, about yeah. what you do with the ball in your hands. It's. I, I think if we were having a, a, a photograph of the year, which is not a category yeah. we'll be discussing, but I think that photo from behind the hacker, where you can just see Owen that Farrell standing there, is a fantastic yeah. photo. On on that subject of photography, I know you said not to discuss it, but I'm going to chip in. Um, some of the camera work at that Rugby World Cup was unbelievable. There should be a, an award for that. I mean, there probably is somewhere. Yeah, it's just, it's I'm, just sure, not I'm sure there are photography awards. <laughs> I, look, um, we, we're lucky enough to be able to tap into the Getty and Press Association libraries. And, you know, obviously photography as an industry has changed quite a lot over the last 10 years or so. And, and it's probably a little bit easier, I dare say. But some of the shots you get back and you, we get to look through them and pick out our favourites, they are absolutely stunning. Oh, and I thought in general, actually, the Rugby World Cup coverage was really really good it, and I think it, it demonstrates the power of a World Cup because there are people like me I, I don't care for rugby union but I was I was grips uh, was, not necessarily it, by Tonga Canada but you know it was almost <laughs> we're going on at great length here about the photography yeah. but it was almost like experimental like the camera where the spider camera they call it that yeah. floats around unbelievable anyway can I just quickly add no another contender, <laughs> no, another contender for photography photo of the year it hasn't oh. happened yet the photo hasn't been taken yet it's bear with me. John Henderson, the big darts player, oh, the yeah. Highlander, could play Mikuru Suzuki at the World Championship. That would make a great photo, wouldn't it? Those him embracing but Suzuki, her. a big lad as well. No, no, no. The, oh, the female. D- oh, diminutive. sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's bad. Yeah. The, the female BDO <laughs> World Champion. I'm well aware of her achievement. She's very, very good. See, that's very dangerous. That can make a great photo. And Tom, you're going to win so. Editor of the Year or Producer of the Year for cutting that bit out. How? <laughs> Right, we're two down, four to go, but now let's take uh, a break from the main category and make our choices for the World Sports Star of the Year. Right, lads, this is a list. Some of these names you may need to help me with. Uh, Simone Biles, Eliud Kipoji. How was that? Was that a fact? Kipchoge, but it's Kipchoge. fine, Dom, it's fine. I'm getting there. Uh, Sia Kal- Khaleesi. Good. Oh, cool. I like, like Game of Thrones. Um, Megan Rapino, uh, Steve Smith, that was an easy one, and Tiger Woods. Um, right, Ben, given the last name on that list, and you being Sporting Life's golf aficionado, um, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, t- look, this is a very strong list, as you'd expect. I think it's stronger than the sports personality list. Um, we're talking about, you know, the, the greatest gymnast of all time, the greatest long-distance runner of all time, a, a pioneering rugby player, a pioneering women's football player, one of the greatest batsmen of all time and the greatest golfer of all time. And having just talked about how Alan Wynne-Jones shouldn't be there just because of what he's done in the past, it does rather ram home how how good a list this is. In terms of achievements this year, I genuinely would vote for Tiger Woods. Um, I think my my second choice would be Elliot Kipchoge, who I'd imagine Chris might argue for. But to to win his 15th major 11 years after his 14th, having had numerous surgeries, having, uh, I believe, 10 years ago, to this day crashed into a fire hydrant which sparked the biggest downfall in in golfing Mm. history in terms of one man's career it's been a remarkable comeback he's reinvented himself he's had to reinvent his game because he can't play it in the way he used to and then what did he do Augusta Sunday well Monday no it's Sunday just Sunday morning Mm. Um, he lit the place up he was absolutely brilliant and uh, it's a moment which will live long in the memory it really will and I think for that he may win the award for a second time he last won it at the turn of the century it would be a great way to end this decade the, the sporting public loves a comeback, though, don't they? Comebacks, as we will discuss later on in the, the podcast, comebacks are incredible. One of the best yeah. things, in my opinion, about sport, and when it's an individual that comes back from adversity uh, and, you know, his own demons, for me, that's incredible. And I agree. Tiger Woods, surely, for this one. Yeah. Kipchoge, I think... I don't know about you, but that whole sub-two-hour two marathon kind of caught everybody out on that that morning it, it was a bit of a turn of tv oh kipchoge's running the, the yeah thingy, and then yeah. all of a sudden it was the thing everyone was talking about he's not gonna do it he can't do it um and then obviously it was there's a lot of people saying does it, i mean it doesn't count does it it's not an official 
well drafted. Yeah. Also, no, it's not he had very springy record. trainers on, didn't he? Yeah, he, had, he had trainers which I don't think he'd be able to wear in, a, no. in an official race, and he was running with pacemakers and no competitors. So it yeah. was unofficial, but it was st- it was some spectacle, it, and it was yeah. real, real high drama. But it's not the first time there's been attempts like that. No, so he tried himself. Yeah, yeah, it's not like it's an, an easy thing to do. Oh, let's just go out and do the the sub two hour marathon. So it's still an in- unbelievable feat, and. It is, it is unbelievable, and don't get me wrong, there's not a chance in hell I could ever do anything like that. But I don't like the whole, he was given these um, trainers by a sponsor purely because they will have said these will enable you or make it easier for you to maybe get under two hours. That's not fair, is it? That's not that shouldn't Yeah, be I mean, we're talking about um, these, it's one of the sports athletics, which I suppose cycling would be, uh, in the wake of the ongoing trials at the moment, it, they're the sports where uh, marginal gains, to, to coin a phrase, um, are kind of the difference between the people at the very top of the sport. And and we're going to come to Lewis Hamilton later in the main award. And, we, you know, really we're talking mechanics that define whether he wins it or someone else wins it. So I guess there's a there's something about that which detracts from it. I know, Chris, you said in the aftermath that he kind of, it's almost a shame that the sub two hour didn't happen in a natural way, yeah. in, a, in, a, mm. in a race. Because when it does happen yeah. in a natural way, it's it, been done. It's been done. It's had that extra spark taken away. You'll have to say to this is the first official sub two two hour marathon. You have to add that in, and there's always been asterisks next to it. Scroll down to what see what the asterisks means. It was done before, but unofficially. Sure. It, it'll and be really interesting. I, th- I think this award it will be really interesting because although I think the case for Tiger Woods is strongest, I wouldn't say with any certainty that he would win it because, like I said, it's a very strong list. Athletics traditionally does really well in BBC Sports Personality. I think there are mm. twice as many podiums in the main award as any other sport. Um, Simone Biles, obviously, is just an absolute champion of her sport. Um, I think she has an excellent case. I'd be a little bit... Su- I'd, I'd be surprised if Steve Smith wins it, ultimately. I'd be surprised if Sia Khaleesi wins it, uh, mainly because he's involved in a team sport and I think the same probably applies with Megan Rapinoe. Yeah. It's hard to put into words what she's done for Just her sport and her country this year, but uh, if we're talking actual sporting achievement, mm. she's one part of a winning football team and for me that, that probably goes against her. Just to clarify, this is a public vote for this one? Uh, I believe it's a panel. Oh, I'm glad panel. you asked because I don't know the answer, but I believe it's a panel. Certainly you yeah. can't vote on it now. If, if you could vote on it, voting has since closed. Right, okay. You see, that the panel puts Biles in with a chance because I don't think, I've said this off air, that to untrained eyes, when you're watching gymnastics, you can't really tell the difference between someone who's won. No, not without someone explaining it. Well, I think the, the it. clip did the rounds, didn't it, when she did this move that no one had ever yeah. done. And I watched it and thought, oh my God, that's incredible. But had I watched it live without an expert, like you said. Telling you it's yeah, never been done you, before. Because be if I showed you a routine from whoever finished sixth, you'd go, how on earth is that physically <laughs> sure. possible? Sure. And I think what it's just a list of gold medals she's mm. won, which... Um, yeah, makes us a bit flippant about it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's not just about that, though, is it? I think if, if it is a public vote, the sport and the winner generally has a lot more public appeal. And I know that Simone Biles is very well known, and, and but I think to the general sports fan, probably somebody like Tiger Woods, recognisable name, Steve Smith, they're going to be the ones that would attract the most public vote, the ones that people probably are more aware of what they've achieved throughout yeah. the year. I wouldn't have thought Smith would get many votes from English cricket fans, mind yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Woods for me. Okay. Uh, stay with us on the podcast. Uh, we move on to two main contenders for sports personality, Lewis Hamilton and Manchester City's Raheem Sterling. Visit sportinglife.com and log in for free to become an insider. There you can unlock loads of exclusive features including unlimited video replays, tips and previews, live score update notifications, betting offers and more. Okay then, gents, let's start with Lewis Hamilton, a nice and easy one. Chris, do you want to you take a pop at the champ, so to speak? Yeah, um, so he, he won 11 Grand Prix this year, which equaled his best... Not bad. ...which was his best ever return in a season. It's about half, isn't it? They're about 22. Yeah, so he, he's won 11 twice before. Um... He's obviously one world title now behind Michael Schumacher. So maybe he should win it next year. Win one more, equal Michael Schumacher and win this award next year. I don't. The point I'm trying to make badly here is we've seen him do this before. That's exactly right. Which I mean, if you actually... Sorry, Dom. Oh. If, you, if you look at his titles the last two years, he won last year by 88 points. He won by 87 this year. Just the same. He's just doing what Lewis Hamilton's done for five years now. But that's like saying 
Messi doesn't deserve to win the Ballon d'Or. You know, we're so used it's to it's a him. very valid point. We're so used to seeing <laughs> yeah. these figures. But but when we're talking a public vote, um, there's a weariness. I think even to the the petrol-headed F1 fan who do, they do vote for him. I mean, he's was he won it once and been on the podium. I think three or four times um so you know he, he clearly does capture the imagination to a degree there's always a strength yeah. of support for him um interesting if that changes la- after last year's yeah. uh, seminal comments about stevenage being a slum which yeah. were really among my sporting highlights <laughs> of the year um I think he's, he's a bit al- of a burke isn't he that's I, I, my basic i think he's also hamstrung by if you win too easily it makes it seem less of an achievement, and especially in Formula One with the cars issue. And sport can be so bizarre, can't it? Because yeah. he has worked tirelessly to reach the very top of the sport, so far at the top that he can look like he's winning these unbelievably world-class sports easily. And yet, if he does it twice in a row, ah, I've seen it before. It's it's mm. right, but it, I think it also feeds back into the fact that he. F1 has that fundamental problem of, of having different cars, different people. Yeah. And ultimately, if I watch a golf tournament, um, they're all using the same gear, near, near as damn it. Um, I remember when uh, Lewis Hamilton, I think it's five years ago, that Lewis Hamilton beat Roy McElroy to this award, and I was furious. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I just, unfortunately, there are only three. This year, there were, there were three drivers who could have beaten him to the title. One of them was his teammate, so immediately that it works against Valtteri Bottas. Then you had Max Verstappen, um, who was up against mm. it mechanically. And then you had Charles Leclerc, who was driving for Ferrari for the first time. Vettel was never at it. it, it he just didn't have to beat many people, you know? And, and I, you know, Tiger Woods had to beat the world's 50 best golfers to win. I know we're switching categories here um, to win the Masters. But I, just, I think it will always work against Hamilton that he can't prove that he's better then he can't prove to me he's a better driver than Max Verstappen. I'm sure he can prove to a person who knows F1, but to the public, it's really hard to make yeah. that point. I think it's it's like in a, in athletics. If you're say 100 meters, if you if you win, say like Usain Bolt used to win easily all the time, you're still the best at something that literally every human being can can enter and has tried it. You know, and just do you know what I mean? Whereas Formula One, it's a very elite few people who ever have the chance to become sure. you could have put him in the, the third yeah. best car on that grid and he wouldn't have won the world title yeah i i don't even think he'd have won it in a ferrari i, mean, I just don't see it. if you swapped him and charles leclerc of course leclerc is going to win the title in the mercedes so again you know he's winning a race of one or two people but he's but he's, in, he's brilliant at what he does he's he done it in different cars for different teams though, hasn't yeah but always the, the car was among the most dominant you know i mean so. It's like when Jensen Button won it in the Braun, didn't he? And the Braun just came yeah, along yeah, and Braun. it was just better than yeah. the other cars. And so Jensen Button wins it. Sure. And if Jensen Mixed Button had then hopped into this car, Benetton. you know, I, I don't dispute <laughs> that over the years there have been F1 titles mm. decided by a moment of genius or consistent brilliance by one driver over another. When you're winning by 80 points, that tells me one thing. You've got the mm. best car. Great. So basically, kids, if you go out there, if you can in, like get your parents to buy you the most expensive football boots... You will be the best. <laughs> if only it weren't like that. <laughs> if only the more money I spent on golf clubs, the better I scored. I'm afraid it doesn't. Let's move. Let's move swiftly on. Yeah. I think we, we've done enough on Hamilton yeah. now. And onto Raheem Sterling. He's the only footballer on the list. Um, he's had a great year, undoubtedly. But does he deserve Chris to be on that list? Well, I think from a, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about. Uh, redemption stories in sport Absolutely. And, and I kind of think Raheem Sterling's done that for club and country in a way he wasn't always flavour of the month but this year yeah I mean uh, for, for, it's he's just bit... been scoring goals in, in sensational uh, numbers wise for club and country what three three hat-tricks or something this in the last few it's months. an incredible form the thing is about the the uh, the whole redemption thing is that was kind of imposed on him it wasn't his it choice was, that no. the newspapers turned on him yeah um, but you're right He's come out, he's been so good that the newspapers have had no choice but to change their tune about what they mm. publish about him. He's an incredible athlete, he's an incredible performer, he's come out of his shell and become the player we all expected him to be, which doesn't often happen with English footballers, but people expected the worst when Pep Guardiola took over Man City. and They expected that Raheem Sterling probably wouldn't make the squad because Pep wanted better. But instead, what's happened is Raheem Sterling has turned into this great, grounded, good, all-round player who's performing for club and country. And 2019 has been a fantastic year for him. I think Raheem Sterling is a phenomenal athlete, um, a great role model. All the things we look for, all the virtues uh, that that we might actually say should be rewarded by an award like this. Um, You know, 
son of parents who came across on the Windrush, you know, Jamaican ancestry, all these things that are really important in 2019 in Britain, or at least should be. Um, does that mean he'll win or should win sports personality? I, I think he would have needed a real like groundswell campaign, you know, um, to get him over the line because ultimately even, you know, we're, we're talking about him at a time where England aren't really involved in anything significant. They they ultimately lost the semi-finals of the home nations. Had they won that with Raheem Sterling scoring the winning goal, I can see how he would have actually been favourite for this. Um, but Man City are a long way off the, the pace in the title race. You know, he, he's yeah. Those he's, three he's, trophies seem quite a long time. They ago do now. seem a long time ago. Mm. And, and again, as I said with Rapino, it's it's individual success in a team sport. Although we'll come to it with a favourite here. He's part of a team, but he was a team member who who really made the difference between success and failure. I can't really pick the moments when Raheem Sterling did that for Man City, even though I'm sure there are many. He's sort of doing it this year, and he's he's, he's gone quiet now, which which won't help, but. Well, has he scored something like 16 goals already this season? He's Man yeah, City's but, top scorer. But even then, in, in, in keeping Man City's head above water, like they're not going to get anything for these goals, ultimately. Sure. Okay. Uh, it doesn't look like anyway. Mm. So I think he's a fabulous role model, and I hope he um, I hope he goes on to win something with England, because that would be a real iconic moment for us all. But um, I don't think he's got a hope in hell of winning this. But does he deserve to be in the six? I think it's an important... Um, statement on behalf of ultimately BBC are a media organisation um, and I think it's an important statement on their behalf to include him and acknowledge what he has done in the face of extreme prejudice um, so I can't argue against his place but um, you know he's, he's closer to Wynne Jones than Ben Stokes in terms of validity in terms of sport and nothing else Okay, let's step away from the from the main event again and talk um, about team and moment of the year um, sports personality do have their moment award and voting has closed uh, here were the nominees uh, it's company's goal against Leicester absolute thumper I think you'll all agree but again it was coming to the end of his Man City career I think and yeah it was, kind of, it was special um, <laughs> <That> was <so laughs> yeah, it was special uh, Origi's goal against Barcelona big moment for me the moment uh, Lucy Bronze's stunner uh, as England reached the World Cup semi-finals again it was a quarter-final goal. They were already 2-0 up. I think that's in there literally because the camera cut to David Beckham high-fiving his daughter. I think that's why. Um, sorry, that's out of order. Uh, England win the Cricket World Cup. Unbelievable. Uh, ben Stokes, um, his unbelievable performance What's during the What's the moment, though? The actual ba- the bound- so the moment the, is the, the boundary. It is the moment of the bales coming off in the World Cup final. Oh, that's um, the moment. But also, and then the boundary in the Ashes test. Um, I, I think moment is a is a fairly broad term, yeah. in these, you know. Um, but if you, you want see that for me, the moment is the the run out attempt hitting the bat going for four. Not nominated. Not but nominated. That should that is the moment of the year. Well, there we go. For That's everything, the moment the of the year. you've got to argue that at the end of the show. Oh, right. oh so. okay. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, and also Suzanne Pettersson. Uh, she won the Solheim Cup I for Europe. I, I was a big fan of that moment. Fantastic. The, the, the you're going to hate me for this. But as a drop-in-and-out golf fan, so I watch the Ryder Cup, for instance, it's always the very final moments for me that are the best. And the build-up to it, I can drop in and out of. But at the end, when I'm stuck to it and I, and I watch them celebrating, and if it's very close, that for me is the ultimate. I think that's fair. You know, I don't think you're alone there. And golf, golf takes a long time. We can't all... Um, watch it all the time you know the Solheim Cup's a three day event you're probably talking about 16 to 20 hours of golf Um, I actually Pettersson's the one most people I think would cast aside my my opinions on this are that there are too many football nominees Um, I think either one of the England cricket moments should win it probably the World Cup but maybe there's a case for the Ashes however with Pettersson I'd just like to stress people that haven't seen it the great thing about this moment was not just that Europe had lost the Solheim Cup it was gone um, and she won it for them. She held the winning putt from about six feet, really brave putt that really could have missed. But she, she was back in the side as a wild card, yeah. having missed a, over a year on maternity leave. She was given a chance to play in that side when every pundit in the land said she should be nowhere near the yeah. team. And she found herself in the last match on the course, the last point, quite literally determined who wins the Solheim Cup. Not only does she win it, then she says, you know what, I'm done, I'm retired. No, well, see, it doesn't that, get any cool. That's a that, moment, it? isn't it? That's a sporting that the whole backstory, um, retiring at the end, being successful when criticised. That is a sporting yeah. moment, not just a ball hitting the foot, hitting the net. That's it. It's, it's a fabulous story. Go I don't got hope in Halloween again. Um, I mean, uh, just as a without doing a, a Solheim Cup review, um, 
Obviously, I didn't watch all that the, much of it. So <laughs> the build-up, yeah, yeah, you know, the doubts over her selection. It went every contenders piece. Uh, sorry, every team by team guide you read was why on earth is she in it? When it came to that final day and she was the last um, match out on, was she? The, was that the last? She wasn't the last match, but the last match to finish. Last match to finish. Right. So that was a bit. That was almost sporting gods esque. It wasn't. She wasn't the last match, so... Well, I think uh, Captain Castriona Matthew picked her in 11th, so it was always likely at that point that she was going to be one of the final <laughs> matches. I'd but then that says, but the trust then in her... Oh, the, yeah. I'd so by that point, she would had been playing well all, all both days, hadn't she, before? She played or, pretty well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, was like, she wasn't like pointless by no. any... So she'd been, from being the... Why is she in the team? She was uh, entrusted in a Solheim Cup, which was going to be go down to the wire to possibly be winning the point that wins the whole Yeah, thing. I think Matthew will have known in the morning that if we are going to win this Solheim Cup, it probably will come down to one of two or three players. Bronte Law was another one who was out on the course late. Um, uh, Anna Nordqvist, who's very, very experienced. But Suzanne Peterson, at her best, is probably the most distinguished of the team. Mm. And I think that was... It, it was, yeah, kind of the equivalent of giving, say, Ian Poulter a wild card and then by yeah. the end of the week, which has happened when people say, well, he's not really played well enough to ju- to earn it, and by the end of the week he's he's winning the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it will lose out on the fact that not a lot of people watch women's golf. It's still yeah. a, a long way to go before uh, players of her quality are household names, so I don't think he'll win it. Who, who should win the cricket one, you two? I don't know. Uh, because it'll be the, one of the one of the two cricket ones will win this. Sure. Actually, the the World Cup for me was the better one. Obviously, it was local, so that was nice. It was just over the road from. I the heard the roar from my garden. Yeah, it's great. The, the Incredible. The Headingley Test. Yeah. 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 So for me, that's that's the the mo- saying that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Ben Stokes at the Ashes was just incredible where, as well. were you would you class them both as where were you moments i was in and my garden for the headingley test yeah i was in my lounge i went far away for both watching it in your garden. i was in the spotting life office for both i was running to and from my garden during the uh one at headingley yeah um trying to really stress to my wife that this is this is bigger than all the stuff i talk to you about every single week and you yeah you roll your eyes and say i don't care this about is more sport. important than this the croissants than than um, <laughs> so no um she heard the roar in the garden, as did I, because she got the doors open. It's just great. So the, just to clarify, the, the heading leaf for the ODI, yeah. and, and uh, sorry, heading leaf for the Ashes Test, yeah. doors for the ODI. Um, yeah, if work. I had to pick one. We were both working for the, the World Cup, weren't we? Yeah, I was on from home, though. I don't think we need to get into the nitty-gritty no. of the sporting life right after. Uh, no, no, it's just where, it's, if you think, I, you can define the best moments you'll always remember where you were now i was on holiday but my neighbor has a very good story about where he was he was also on holiday walking on the beach his family had no interest in cricket and i think they're in spain somewhere and he's on the phone getting really bad reception he's trying to follow it he knows this is he loves cricket he knows this is going to be one of the test matches that's going to be talked about forever and you want to watch it if you're a sports fan the thought of walking through the streets of spain so in a country no one likes cricket, your family don't like cricket, and he's hardly been able to watch it. Then he sees a pub, and he knows it's getting towards the end, so he charges over to the pub, leans his head in the window to see the big screen, loads of English people in there. He sees the boundary, and everyone's just, he just goes in, everyone's jumping around, dancing, and how many moments of sport? So this is the that? test match, this it's, was not the even, test yeah, match. it's not the ODI, it's no, not the winning of the World he, Cup. He managed at that moment in time, by sheer chance, with bear in mind, with like three minutes of that test left, to just stumble across a bar that had it. There's your sporting gods, Chris. And there's your sporting gods for him. I'm desperate to move on. Sorry. But before we do, my story about that moment yeah. is very similar. I thought I was in the office. I wasn't. I got the train home. I was desperate. I was that memorable, you thought. I was, I was desperate. I was desperate to watch the cricket. I was, I was running. And as I got to Oakley Station, there was a lad that I vaguely recognised from this floor of the office watching it on his phone, sitting outside a bar. You put so your I, arm around him so and said... I, I did. I just sat next to him. We huddled around his phone. It was amazing. We cheered. We celebrated. So and then left. And I've never spoken to him again. I mean, that's quite sad, isn't it? Right, it's a lovely story. If you, it would have been better if it ended with you going on to forge a great friendship and, yeah, car- and he was carpooling. We don't even nod at each other. Yeah, like if, we're, if we're in the lift, that's no talking. Do you not just look at him in the lift and just look at each other and go, that moment? You've not got matching tattoos, <laughs> or, you know? No, nothing. It's got, anyway, we should, we should definitely move on. But the point on. is, I yeah. think that's got to win it. If, if for you, when you look at those lists, not you know, everyone at home looking at that list, whichever's the strongest, where was I moment? I think that's the one that should always win. Absolutely. I mean, the one moment we've not spoken about, which was incredible as well, was a Liverpool's comeback 
but they, they, I mean, they, they've gone for the winning goal, which was Origi's, and it was fantastic. And I can't remember where I was. I remember watching it, but I don't have any. But it was an amazing spotting comeback. You're yeah, three 0 down yeah. to the best team in the world, and you win four three. Amazing, right? Team of the year. Yes. Who do you think should win it, boys? The well, the interesting thing is whether they draw a distinction between the England cricket team and the England Test team because they are different. Very. So they should be they should be judged differently. I suspect they'll get the England cricket team on that stage, and they'll have Owen Morgan, but they'll have Joe Root. Um, you know, I think they will have the, the 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 whole lot. So if you put it under an umbrella, it's no contest. You know, they've hit you with a a left hook and then hit you with a right uppercut. It's just different different ball game entirely um so yeah Eng- england all the way as they say in bars up and down the country yeah. so for you yeah i don't think we yeah i mean what liverpool did was incredible and i and i i want to put them forward but the, the achievement of the england cricket team was just phenomenal and again it's it's slightly personal as well because it was a local game because of because i can remember watching it and i think that that counts for a lot in sport um, also, the speed with like it was so amazing to go from, and we'll come on to this with Stokes, but to go from that moment when they win the World Cup to a, to an Ashes series which kind of suffered for being so close to the back of the World Cup in many respects. Like, did feel like the first couple of tests, like here we go, you know, test yeah. test cricket, it, cricket, it takes a lot out of you, and to go again after the World Cup is quite hard, I think, for the players as well as absolutely yeah. um, supporters. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a Ben Stokes moment, which. Mm had happened three weeks earlier and yeah. to have those two all of a sudden the proximity of the two only made it more incredible and more memorable you could argue that that is enormous individual brilliance because the rest of the England team in that Ashes series were pretty poor yeah there were there were you except know highs and lows so except Broad versus Warner yeah and Joffre Archer's spell at Lords in particular yeah, Archer yeah you know, there were uh, Jack, Jack Leach's contribution let's not forget that at the other end, but generally speaking, on the whole, England, yeah, were not, were, it, look, I think both sides are way below the standards they set five, six years ago. In 30 years, if someone asks you to list that Ashley squad, it's going to be Stokes is the first name and yeah, one of the I, other it's ones. It's one probably. of those, you do a pointless game in even a couple of years, even Jack Leach will be a pointless answer, but Ben Stokes will be remembered by 70 That's people. That's a brilliant analogy. Oh, that is absolutely so I, d- I kind of don't want to do any more podcasts because we, have we can to, only Tom. go downhill from to. there. <laughs> but we do have to. Um, let's move on right then. Time Even for. Jack Leach will be a pointless. I know, that's awesome. Sorry, Jack. He probably won't be. He'd be one blood. My dad will remember. Jack, Jack Leach. Don't forget Jack Leach. Uh, let's move on to take a look at the final two contenders for Sports Personality of the Year plus our Sporting Life Awards. Visit sportinglife.com and log in for free to become an insider. There, you can unlock loads of exclusive features, including unlimited video replays, tips and previews, live score update notifications, betting offers, and more. Let's round off then with the big two contenders uh, for many, starting with Dina Asher-Smith. Chris, I can see a glow in your eye already. Yeah, well, I'm going to start my campaign for her by taking us all back. You've left left it late to campaign for us in four days. (laughs) To take everybody back to 1922. I remember it well. Mary Lines... A British woman had the world 100-metre record of 12.8 seconds. That's the closest. That's the last time Britain has ever had a female sprinter who can be... Con- she didn't even win a gold medal in anything, but that... Was that Mary the, Lyons that ever drug-tested? <laughs> was that the lady that, that did the sprint across London Bridge? Wow. She was like a secretary for someone in Parliament, and she ran. She was really fat. Anyway, uh, Google yeah, it. But the, the, the point it's is, no one alive on this planet can remember when British there was a British female who was faster than anyone else in the world. Think about that. No no one alive on the planet. That's and incredible. Dina Asher, thanks to Dina Asher Smith, everyone on the planet has seen a British woman win a sprint gold medal. And she, she won two of the medals, the 100 metre. No British woman had ever won a world 100 metre medal. And then she wins the relay. And no British sprinter had ever won. No British athlete in any event had won three medals at a single world championship so it's too many stats she did too many things she m- made too much history for her not to win this and she did it with such grace yeah. and style and I th- I, for me like just someone who looks like she was born to to be that person you know yeah. she she really ins- I'm not really someone who uses the word inspirational a lot but she was really inspiring and um, you know that, and that's me a 34 year old white man talking you can imagine 10 year old athletes in London going through the same processes she went through against the same challenges um, 
what more could you ask for? That like, we yeah. really should. We talk about legacy, um, and I think there's been some question marks over whether London 2012 has had the effect that we all would have hoped. But I don't doubt that in 10 years' time you'll see yeah. a wave of British athletes and specifically young uh, British women who are uh, effectively building their success on the shoulders yeah. of Dean Asher. Well, she um, was quoted I think sort of last year when she was winning European medals she was inspired by watching Kelly Holmes in Athens winning her uh, golden double when she was a kid and then you're just thinking well how many in this generation kids who are 8, 10 especially the amount of um, greater access for women in sport now seeing her do that it is going to open the floodgates so we're not going to wait another 100 years to see another female British sprinter um, she's got a history degree as well. And yeah, King's College London. Bright, I mean, she's woman. Well, you know, she's just an all-rounder. But she's not she's only win. 23 as well. I know in yeah. athletics you you're supposed to be. Although Shelley Ann Fraser Price, who beat her in 100 meters, by doing so she became the old at 32 was the oldest female uh, 100 meter champion. So she's got 11 a uh, best part of 10 years left. It's just that was her what four? How many gold medals did she win? That? A lot. So she's been going a long it's time. Ju- it's just ast- astounding for the average Joe like me to hear all of this and think if it wasn't for the fact that athletics had such a low profile, despite the fact that London 2012 was massive and, and it kind of put athletics on the map and then the country just didn't capitalise on it. It's incredible that all of this can happen and yet, relatively speaking, slips under the radar. Yeah. There's an element of the the world we live into that, um, but also the fact that athletics doesn't, as in other sports, when Tiger Woods wins the Masters, we got four weeks until the US PGA, and it's all about Tiger Woods. Can he win his next one, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Um, athletics has nothing really to to go on the end of that, it's, and it's kind of, I suppose, the same thing happens in snooker. Um, completely different sport completely different fan base but the world championships in april is the end of the season and you don't see them again for six months and it's quite hard to build any momentum out of that and i think with the world athletics this year in particular um being in doha in late in the calendar you know it it suffers because of that but as i said before athletics if there's a place where athletics has been rewarded it's sports personality of the year um over the years, just time and again, people win this award for their exploits in athletics. I think there are 51, I'm trying to look for the figures now, and I can't remember where I've written them. Here we go. So there are 51 podiums from athletics. The next best is 21, which is boxing. Wow. Um, 18 yeah. winners of sports personality fall under the athletics umbrella. Compare that with cricket, which is four. Now, obviously, athletics covers a, a wide range of gymnastics counts, for instance. Mm. But um, it just tells you that the BBC in particular have always had an appetite for obvious reasons, commercial reasons, yeah. to um, to do it justice. So I don't doubt on Sunday night if you are watching the programme, which I have to say I, I will be. It's one of the highlights of the yeah. December for me. Um, there, there, there will be a great montage of uh, fabulous achievements. But I know we touched on it earlier. With, I think with athletics, especially a short sprint, everyone watches it thinking everybody can do that sport. So to be the best at a short sprint is phenomenal it de- it defies comprehension to, to to ever be the best at running in a straight line 400 meters or in her case 200 meters you know how do you become the best at that of all the millions of billions of people in the yes, world yes phenomenal absolutely and, phenomenal. But and there, there's less chance of being a, becoming the best at that than there is at becoming a professional footballer surely because there are thousands of professional footballers it also mm. though feeds in and again to the specifics of this point um i mean i think athletics as a whole the you probably need another podcast to talk about the challenges it faces but to the point of trying to attract people to vote for you despite all the information I've given you there about how people have managed that in the past the, the problem I have with it personally and Chris is probably different as a sort of ardent athletics fan because the races take place in the same colour track around the same bend eight people in a line quite hard to distinguish I actually find it hard to hold those memories I will always remember Ben Stokes and the shot he hit to secure that draw at Headingley I'll remember the, when the ball came off his bat but I don't really remember Usain Bolt running 9.58 because it looked a heck of a lot like when he ran 9.67 you know it just yeah. and for, for, sure. for, the, per, for the people on the periphery who you're trying to get interested it's quite hard to have do you remember when and you need those yeah, nights we, like I mean, in London mention, 2012 yeah, yeah. we did t- touch on that earlier about the where, where were you moments and how iconic a certain play of sport is and yeah you're right 
it can look very samey, unless in some places like Berlin they make the track blue. There's there's the secret. Yeah. Change the colour of the, the track. Colors. But one other very quick step before you move on. When she won the 200, we talked about how she's the first British female to do these feats. No man had ever won a, two, a global 200 meter gold. So we'd, the only sprint champions we've ever had is Linford Christie, Alan Wells, and Harold Abrahams back in 1924. So and, and real pioneer. And they were 100 meters. So to do that in 200 meters, we've had 400 meter champions before, 100 meter champions. So for her to do it in 200, again, I, I just and that's world and Olympic level throughout history. So I, I do find that phenomenal. If anybody listening felt that athletics didn't get the coverage it deserved, I think we've almost made up for it on this episode of the podcast. Thanks in no small part to Chris, whose knowledge of athletics is better than anyone I've ever met. Right, let's move on. Let's move on to the overwhelming favourite for the Spotty 2019 award. And we've already discussed him at great length, but let's go into it in finer detail. It's Ben Stokes, without question. There, there, there can't be a sports fan in England that doesn't know where they were when Stokes completed that incredible feat in the Ashes Test and the World Cup. What I'm saying, the World Cup as well. It's all amazing. You see, for me, the moment and, and Ben, so why Ben Stokes wins it? No, actually, that's wrong. Because I was going to say the the the, the, the run out attempt that went for four. That. That's my moment because it showed New Zealand in a great light how sportingly that whole thing was taken. It showed sport, one cricket, won uh, th that with that moment. Um, it, ben, it, it wasn't skill on Ben Stokes's part, was it? He was sliding in, ball hits his bat. Um, but because of that, he then finishes. The, England are able to win the World Cup. Without that moment, England wouldn't have won the World Cup. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and the, you know. So if had that not happened, Ben Stokes, England wouldn't have won the World Cup. What would, have, would that Headingley have happened? No, it's an interesting. Yeah, no, you're probably right there. That Heading, mm -hmm. Headingley's probably built on the back of because he felt you know, superhuman, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And and also to the point, I, th I think it's something you mentioned actually in a in a darts piece with with Glenn Durant on the website. Um, at the moment, uh, sorry, it's the one about Nathan Aspinall. Yeah. You get a bit of luck. It's yeah. it's the taking advantage, isn't it? And there will be so many moments if you were to go back and watch certainly his Ashes innings to save that Test match at Headingley to win that Test match. At Was Headingley. it Frank, Frank Sinatra on that on that note? Frank Sinatra. That is not what I expected you to say at this juncture. But it's Fra Frank Sinatra said, didn't he, that people often comment about how lucky I am, but when I am lucky, I have the talent and I know how to use it, and that's exactly the same. Where, where would Frank Sinatra have been lucky? Women, I would have thought, but um, <laughs> who knows? Maybe he dodged some bullets. I think we had it on a, on a quote calendar or something. I wasn't there. I'm sure, you had your pages stuck together, and that was that was. Excuse I me, can't. can I question? At what point were you looking? Uh, yeah. But look, the point the point is, I, any any time you're talking about luck. Um, and sporting gods, sorry, Chris. Yeah, is it always w. a bit flowery and a bit romanticised? Yeah. Um, but as it a, should be. Yeah, th that that's kind of cuts to what moves people about sport. Um, mm. And I think uh, we we're lucky as people who were watching it this year that if Ben Stokes just gets an absolute ripper first ball and he gets clean bowled, English cricketing history changes. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes, and I, I get this a lot when I'm writing about golf, I think people really underestimate the power of one action and the the knock-on effect. People. I, I could argue that Rory McIlroy on the first tee at Royal Port Rush this year, if he'd hit a 330-yard drive down the middle, this is a very good point. He could have won the Open. Make. And people mm. tell me, well, no, he would have just made a four. He still hadn't won. He still didn't play well enough. But it, it, every action which follows is effective. Yeah, that completely um, shook him up. What on earth is happening here? He was he had, would have had the mentality of a club golfer. When your head goes, doesn't matter how good you are, you just think I'm making an absolute fool of myself. It was an absolute Absolutely. disaster, and that messed it up for him big time. And, and his incredible second round didn't really dig him out of. But you could probably enough of a hole, did he? But he was still how many shots off the lead go in going into the. Oh, well, he missed the cut by one, so he would have been eight, eight nine, yeah. ten. But shots you could there. probably yeah. dissect any great spot. Of course you like, can. Like of course you I can. mean, it's just to sort of underline the the fragility of it. And how, um, even if, if in, a, in a really curious way, if Ben Stokes comes to the crease and England are actually looking good, that innings doesn't happen because the reason for, for his sort of brazenness at the crease, the reason he was hitting sixes when England need 30, is because they only had one wicket left and at the other end is a fellow who can't hold a bat. If at the other end is Joe <laughs> Root and we've got five wickets left, England may have crumbled. Ben Stokes may have got trapped playing a defensive shot and, and just had it 
had a good ball. And it would have been someone else with Jack Leach. And, and well, we probably yeah. would have lost the test. And yeah. it's on those really fine moments. And I know we've it's a bit tangential this, but what is really impressive that that one man can can overcome all the vagaries of sport yeah. and produce back to back two of the greatest individual performances in a team sport. And I think it's Kevin Peterson that talked about cricket as a really unique sport. I don't think it's necessarily unique, but it's close to it in that yes it's a team game, but actually all of the a lot of the individual actions are totally dictated by the person. Well, that, well Kevin Peterson would say that. Well, of course he, he would. <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> when Ben Stokes is at the crease so. facing yeah. you know, 90% of the balls as he did, it doesn't matter that you, Joe, you play on the same team as Joe yeah. Rue. He can't help you. Um, so I don't think there's any question that Ben, just to complete my <laughs> comments on it, I don't think there's any question that Ben Stokes both will win and does deserve to win. Yeah, because I think people might have been thinking, hang on, you said about Alan Wynne-Jones, it's a team sport and, and Sterling. and So why are you thinking... Ben Stokes should win, but you've, I think you've answered that perfectly. <laughs> and, and Dom, to your point, in yeah. terms of redemption stories, you know, we don't need to talk about, a, a, you know, what happened the year before. But it's not just as it, it, Ben Stokes's curve is not a, you know, it's not a nice, yeah. pretty one to look at. There have been moments of real crisis, moments where his probably his England career was in doubt. Well, it certainly was in doubt. So to come back and be the hero, and he's also he's the everyman, isn't he? people like in this country in particular people like feeling like they would get on with that bloke yeah. and people think they get on with Ben Stokes whether they would or not they think they would yeah absolutely well before we move on to our special Sporting Life Awards let's get a 3 2 one for you I'll, I'll start I think we've got Alan Wynne-Jones in third oh. Lewis Hamilton second and then Ben Stokes obviously okay I'll go with Stokes to win Asher Smith, Katrina Johnson Thompson. Okay, that's a one, two, three. Did, did you not ask? I asked for a three, two, one. Oh, sorry, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fine. Um, there's a there's a big difference for me between what I would like to happen. I would like um, Asher Smith. I would like your podium. Yeah, I'll be very happy with oh, that. It'd be great to have an athlete. Oh, I, I, I was thinking realistically. I, yeah. I well, think why we're don't right we about scrap the, the vote and just have me being the one man panel for the official awards, oh, and okay. then I'll just do that. And everyone's happy there. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't think the BBC will let us do that. <laughs> Look, I think Lewis <laughs> Hamilton will get on the podium. I think it, I, it looks fairly clear to me. Lewis Hamilton third, Dean Rasher Smith second, Ben Stokes first. I think that's the most likely podium, despite the market move for Alan Wynne Jones. I've re- no offence to the big man. I hope I don't run into him down a dark alley. <laughs> I hope he's nowhere near that podium. I hope he finishes sixth. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to be. I think he will be there. I just, I think yeah, the, the yeah. movement in the No one ever sixth. remembers second and third, so do they? If he is, you'll, you'll get No, but it'll annoy me on Sunday night, and I yeah. don't want to be annoyed on Sunday <laughs> night. Can you, like, before we move on to our awards, can you remember anyone who's finished second or third? Uh, Rory McIlroy, because he was robbed. Oh, right. yeah, That's because you yeah, were yeah, very I guess runner-up, maybe <laughs> third player. No one remembers who was third. Second, you can right. remember. Right. Like, the year um, Zara Phillips won. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Rea got third, didn't he, one year? Oh, yeah. So we, but you can remember the odd one. Your <laughs> yeah, point yeah. stands that it's not in, you know, it's not really what it's about. By the way, I was doing a quiz question. Who was second when Zara Phillips won? I don't know. Not a clue. Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Was it not Darren Clark? Oh, it probably was. Yeah, okay. I'll, do you want me to check that? Yeah. I mean, this I doesn't make I good, only asked uh, you good radio. Dom, save us. Uh, yeah, well, Bradford City were actually once up for Team of the Year and uh, they didn't win it, which was uh, an outrage because we beat Arsenal, we beat Aston Villa. Am I saving enough time? It was Darren Clark. <laughs> I was thinking that doesn't add up because Darren Clark won the Open in 2012, but this was 2006 when yeah. he uh, performed miracles in a time of great tragedy good, in the Ryder Cup. How good am I yeah. answering my own questions? That, I only just thought then I haven't researched well done. it. Point yeah. proven. Yeah. The golf expert couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so there we go. Right, let's move on to the Sporting Life Awards. Um, I believe I'm playing sort of the Simon Cowley Judge Award here. Okay. Um, which I, you know I prefer really Len Goodman. Len Goodman, seven... Yeah, sorry. When you say Len Goodman, you've got to say yeah. seven like that. Correct. Otherwise, you've you've failed. Uh, anyway, right, Chris Ben, you get thirty seconds to make the case in each category, and I'll have the deciding vote. Oh, I love power. Just love it. Uh, right, we'll start with the villain, your sporting villain of the year. We'll go alphabetical. Ben Coley first, please. Uh, the sporting villain of the year is Patrick Reed because last week in a golf tournament he cheated. He should have been disqualified. He should have been banned, and the PGA Tour um, failed to. Uh, enact their responsibilities I suppose um, yeah I mean he's had a chequered career as Patrick Reed. Um the word cheat has come up several times I have maximum admiration for him on a golf course when he isn't cheating because he doesn't have the power of some of the people he beats um, but he has the tenacity but what happened last week in the Bahamas saw him overstep the mark bring the game into disrepute and uh, embarrass the PGA Tour who have since 
disgrace themselves further by not throwing the book at him. Villain. A compelling case put forward. Chris Thanks. Hammond. It was very compelling. Um, because this was sprung on me just before we started. Well, I sent you an okay. email, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, excuses. And, and then we quickly came up with one for me to fight for. I think I know who might win and, this and round. I <laughs> and, I forgot, <laughs> and I forgot. And can you just remind me? So then I can y- your villain, uh, as dictated by us after a conversation prior to the podcast, is Novak Djokovic for yes, ruining a sporting fairy there you tale. Sorry, I, I mean, I have to say, it's an on-brand villain for you to have because he's not really done anything. No, I do. Not, I have to say, <laughs> I'm not going to win this award because I do like Djokovic. I think he's misunderstood. Um, he's he's a likable chap, isn't he? I'm not really answering the I question. I feel like you've come into court very <laughs> unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what he has to do to get... He plays great tennis. He's involved in incredible matches. But for whatever reason, people don't want... You know, he says jokes in press conferences. He, he's a nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, I really like Jogger. But it's a, different, it's a different type of sporting villain yeah. in this instance. Yeah, in this instance, um, it happened the same day as the Cricket World Cup final. But uh, they started... They should have finished well before the climax of the Cricket World Cup final and I'm watching two TVs luckily working in here you can do that kind of thing and you kind of think and I've got I've got to write about this and it, it, it keeps going on they keep going on this is going all the way to five sets just get on with it you've got to finish before the World Cup and the, the England's run chase you think oh this is going to finish they're not going to England aren't going to win uh, and then and all of a sudden Ben Stokes is heroics is going on you think hang on this is this is all going to finish at the same time what on earth am I going to watch this is too Federer's going to win an iconic Wimbledon, England about to win a World Cup, and then after all that, you need Federer to win just because it's Absolutely. great for Federer. And then Djokovic wins, and you kind of see all that effort, all this sort of watching one TV, then the other TV, and the one you, the result you don't want happens, and you just kind of think you might as well have just won in straight sets, put us out of our misery at four o'clock, don't make it all run into the Cricket World Cup final finishing when. That's even more iconic now. I feel, I feel Can like I vote for Chris? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a great it's a great argument. I feel like it would be harsh to to put that into. Re- oh, sorry, no, it's not Room One Hundred One, is it? <laughs> I feel like it would be harsh to make him a villain based on the fact that one, it didn't work very well with the TV schedule, <laughs> and that he beat one of the world's, well, probably the greatest ever tennis player. So to then be labelled a villain, I feel like, would yeah. be a miscarriage of justice. So <laughs> it goes to a sporting cheat. I got a bit serious, but it's paid off. It's paid off. I, I don't have a physical award to give. I'll gladly take a silver medal. I'm happy with the silver in this instance. Out of two, that's not, that's not too bad. Um, but yeah, so congratulations, I guess. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, Thanks to Patrick Reid for making it all possible. The next, I, I kind of like this role. The next, um, secondly, unsung hero of the year um, the only rule here is that they can't be nominated for the main award okay do you want me to go Chris or you, yeah, you, um, you, you go if you want okay I'll go first with this one go in price uh, this time 12 months ago the pantomime villain of all pantomime villains uh, it cost him a world championship second round match he was 2-0 up but the crowd were just swearing at him it was horrible I was there at the time in that arena He'd won the Grand Slam of Darts, uh, very controversial against Gary Anderson. The world of darts was against him. He looked so upset. He blew a 2-0 lead away because of the crowd. He was depressed because in, in January, he was thinking, what am I going to do? He got fined about 20-odd grand for what he did at the Grand Slam of Darts. Everything was just not going right for him. He was misunderstood, but he stuck to his guns like all great sports people do. I'm just going to keep playing my game. Um, um, like, like the greatest showman song, This Is Me which should be his entrance music um, he that's a good reference this is a great yeah he played so brilliant darts he just thought I'm going to win round people around eventually he just had to block out the crowd booing the crowd then saw how good he was a nice guy as well off the hockey eventually he still gets booze now but he started winning matches being involved in these incredible matches with Van Gogh well, it's a little bit more pantomime now isn't it Sorry, I'm yeah, so, yeah, it's sort of like um, light-hearted now. Yeah, and it, it's no, no one's that. No one really wants. Well, there's a few people who wants him to lose, but the point is, he's won a lot of people around by playing incredible darts. It's he, he's involved in now one of the great darting rivalries with Van Gerwen. I've gone on way longer. Yeah, than I, I forgot you were supposed but, to be yeah, timed. But the point is, he's turned and it around, and, and, he, and, <laughs> and it's zero to hero. And I think if he wins the world title, that would be absolutely unbelievable. Okay, fantastic argument yet again. Can you get two or? 
this is quite difficult. I'm just going to throw some names out there that I thought were worthy of another mention. I'm sorry to do it. I, the other three members of the great British women's 4x100 metre relay team, because without them, Dean Rasha Smith would have had two medals instead of three. And it, inevitably, it's Dean Rasha Smith, who rightly, you know, but standout member of the team and all that. So I get that. Adam PT, the swimmer, because he seems to be like genuinely one of our most dominant athletes and barely gets a look in anywhere, mainly because swimming is a little bit boring. Um, <laughs> Judd Trump, I said we wouldn't mention snooker, but he won the world title. It's one of our big sports, you know, and we cover it really well in Sporting Life. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, Richard Mann's a great guy, and yeah. um, Judd Trump has obviously had a brilliant year. Um, but the one for me is Tommy Fleetwood. So I'm going to stay with, as with Chris, I'm going to stick to my sport. Um, right Tommy Fleetwood so. ended last year somehow in the shadow of Francesca Molinari the two of them formed that brilliant um, social media famous partnership at the Ryder Cup but it was Molinari who went on and won his singles game and made history whereas Fleetwood lost his singles game and obviously went away with four points instead of five from that you know Molinari had already won a major and, and Fleetwood just sort of lived in his shadow um, and this year he played the whole year didn't miss a single cut which is you know bar Tiger Woods players that go a whole season without missing a cut are very very rare um, he did that and yet he didn't win a tournament he finished second to Shane Lowry I was in the media centre when he came in I've never seen a sportsman who suffered such a heavy defeat um, look so pained by it he looked like he'd blown it when he hadn't really um, and I just started to feel really sorry for him because he's one of, he's genuinely one of the good guys and finally he won the Ned Bank Challenge in sensational fashion in November it's not a tournament which makes headlines you probably haven't heard of it um, but it was worth two and a half million dollars to the winner so it was certainly significant from that point of view and it just validated and vindicated all the hard work all those hours on the range and all the frustrations and the, the those fine margins I talked about earlier that you know he could have won five times this year and he'd won none and for him to get that win and conduct himself with class throughout um, from a golf fan's perspective was was you know two. just great to watch two again unbelievable arguments and it's difficult to decide but I must admit I have a little bias here I've, I've followed <laughs> Gerwin Price Chris has always been a massive advocate of his you might be filming him next week and you're worried that he might be angry with you if you listen to the podcast well he's got very big muscles yeah, yeah. bigger and than he Chris's used to, he used to play rugby but yeah I, 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 and I've seen I've seen the booing on TV and I've seen it in person and I've met Gerwin Price and we did some filming with him in Leicester a few weeks ago and he was an unbelievably kind and and he was really generous with, with his time and he was a good bloke. So it's going price for me, but it's... it's the, like it's Chris tainted. before me, I will graciously accept second it, place. It's tainted by bias. I don't think Tommy Fleet was the best example, to be honest. He's just the closest one to I have to, to say, I lost me. him. He's got fantastic you, hair. I was yeah, buying into your story when you say you felt Until sorry for Until he won $2.5 million. Yeah, and because you started that, that by saying a tournament no one's really ever heard of. Oh, and he won $2 million because of it. Oh. I thought, how can you win £2.5 million for a tournament no one... I know people in golf have heard it's, of it, but do you, you see yeah, what? Yeah. £2.5 million. Pounds. Dollars. Dollars, right. sorry. It's still a lot. But still a lot of money. Yeah, yeah that's I think it's, uh, I, I'm glad yeah. we went on brand towards the end. You darts me golf. It feels yeah. like a nice way to draw it to a close. But uh, There is one more award. There is. There is one more. You wrote this. Sorry. <laughs> sorry I, to catch I, you off guard. You caught um, me cold here. Th there's a chance that we've, we've, we've given this away throughout this podcast, but it is your sporting moment oh, the of the year. Let's start with Ben. Yeah. Um, oh, I wish you hadn't started with me. Shall I, buy I, you some I, time? I tell you what, I'm I'm going to let Chris pick the winning one, or you pick the winning one. And I, I for, for me again, I'm sorry to stay on brand. I know I should be doing this on a golf podcast, but um, Friday at Royal Port Rush. If we're talking about, po we should bring personal into this, right? Absolutely. Um, Friday at Royal Port Rush was the the most sort of magical day I've spent on a golf course, and I've spent it quite a few now. And it was because um, through failing to do what he'd expected to do, Rory McIlroy, um, sort of established a relationship with the crowd that day that he didn't know could exist and he for a player who spent so long at the top of the world rankings more time than any other golfer this decade for the final act of his major decade to be actually failing in a major championship but in doing so learning something about himself was a really powerful yeah. moment yeah. and Portrush itself was really um, the atmosphere that night was just a complete party and you, it, it just felt somehow like an, like you, yeah. you were existing in another world for a moment Um it you know it's not the moment of the year in terms of the sporting event but but I, the one I was a part of it was it was genuinely magical. I have to say, 
I do remember where I was when I read Ben's excellent column about that day. <laughs> yeah, no, that and it was so good. But earlier, I made a slip up earlier in the podcast to any eagle-eared <laughs> listeners that it was so good. It may, I'd tricked myself into thinking he made the cut because it, um, he didn't make the cut. But it was an amazing, memorable comeback. And it kind of, he won by not making the cut in a weird sort of way. Yep. And, um, You're supposed to be in competition with each other yeah. at this point. <laughs> so it, it was stunning, as was the column. No, it can't stand up against Ben Stokes winning the World Cup for England, <laughs> but, I, but I just, yeah, again, no, as I'm, I've just fallen back into and, golf here. And he did recently turn down an invite to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, he's to, one of the good guys, yeah. right? So, um, I, well, I've, I think I've mentioned it before. It's the, the run-out, uh, not the run-out, the run-out attempt that hits Stokes' bat goes for four. Because it made, as we've mentioned before, it was a domino effect there. Now, what's it, a butterfly effect? Uh, you can have either, because yeah. I, I, I think both, way, thing, yeah. both work in this instance. And you just think the, the odds on that throw from the... I'm doing the actions here. Um, the throw from the boundary. How's that possible that those two objects hit like that when he's not even looking? It's not deliberate. It's not some kind of bad sportsmanship. And he puts his hand up straight away. He's, And that was instinctive to almost say, I didn't mean to do that, sorry. And yeah. it was like apologetic. It wasn't like... Oh, it's amazing! I cannot believe we've just, you know like a little fist pump that no one sees. Like, yes, come on, we can win this now. It was genuine. Oh, you know, not the run runs off if you want that kind. Of, and it was obvious he he would have given those runs. Yeah. Back. Well, the interesting thing from a non-cricketing observer, yeah. as Dom anxiously looks at the clock, so. um, <laughs> uh, the interesting thing for me is that like most people were, well, what what happens? Do yeah. they get runs? To, and and to then find it, it, was a, it was in terms of pure sporting drama. I think that exceeds any of the other cricket yeah. moments. I think you're right to pick that as it the cricket moment. Because and the BBC haven't. So No, they should have done. And I think I know there's been things about New, Ze- New Zealand afterwards or or people saying, oh, they got the rules, they got it wrong and stuff like that. But I think at the time, New Zealand conducted themselves brilliantly over it. Yeah. They weren't saying, oh, I'm, we're walking off unless those runs get knocked off. Uh, it just played the game, the rest of the game, sportingly, and they didn't look that miffed about it in a weird sort of way. Um, and you forget what was kind of said in the when it, afterwards. You know, I think uh, did they want it? Not read. No, they, they've, they, they've made no they, complaints. They didn't make any really. complaints. They, they? I think it was could, other people, wasn't it? Claiming. Yeah. It was that umpire saying they got the score. Wrong. Yeah, and you can imagine yeah. other teams having dealt with it in a totally different, different way. Dare I say, even England would have done. Yeah. Uh, massive respect to Kane Williamson and his team. Yeah. The way they dealt with so. It. Yeah, just to clear up, they didn't have an issue with it well, at any stage. And I think that just brought sport and cricket to um, put it on a bit of a pedestal for me Okay, compared to other sports. You've both, again, mm. put together fantastic moments. Ben knows where this <laughs> is I've going. Conceded. I've conceded. J- I've just conceded the frame. <laughs> but it's, it's not. That, you know, the, the listeners may agree with you. It, might, might, it doesn't really matter what I say. I'm, I'm just playing the game. And I remember the cricket happening. I didn't see the golf. <laughs> you don't know where you were on that Friday at Port Rush. I was in a bar in Port Rush, so I, I remember mean, it. Your, your argument said we need to bring personal into it, and I and am. That's what you guys. I remember the cricket backfired, and I, re- I remember the cricket. But listeners, if by all means, was the judge, he might be going for you. Yeah, yeah, good point. I think, but I think he's Dom not. Was I about am. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> but listeners, if you disagree with anything. I or either of our experts have said you can contact us on Twitter at Sporting Life and you can find us on Facebook just search Sporting Life and as ever for all of the latest news and expert tips and advice head to sportinglife.com Thanks for listening to this Sporting Life podcast For more visit sportinglife.com and you can find us on social media at Sporting Life on Twitter and at facebook.com forward slash Sporting Life official <laughs>